From executive producer Isaac Saul, this is Tangle. afternoon and good evening and welcome to the Tangle Podcast, the place where you get views from across the political spectrum, some independent thinking without all that hysterical nonsense you find everywhere else. I'm your host, Isaac Saul, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Kirsten Cinema and her announcement that she is leaving the Democratic Party to register as an independent, what it might mean for the Senate, if anything, and some of the reactions to that announcement. Before we jump in, though, I do want to give a quick heads up that if you are looking for a last minute gift for the holidays, we do not plug it often, but we do have a merch store. Uh, we sell hoodies, T-shirts, mugs, stickers, phone cases, all sorts of cool stuff with our Tangle logo on them, which I'm a big fan of. I love our logo. I'm going to drop the merchandise store link in the episode description today. So if you are looking for a gift for the holidays, they're right around the corner. This is a great way to, you know, get somebody, a friend, family member, whoever who reads Tangle, some nice swag. Even if they don't read Tangle, honestly, I think the shirts are super comfy and they look pretty good. So check it out. All right. With that out of the way, we'll jump in today with our quick hits. First up, U.S. officials are in custody of the alleged bomb maker who took down a flight over Scotland in 1988. The attack killed 259 people in flight and 11 people on the ground. And the arrest of the Libyan official who is suspected in the bombing is a major milestone in the decades-old investigation. Number two, American journalist Grant Wall died Saturday while covering the World Cup match between Argentina and the Netherlands in Qatar. Wall fell back in his seat before reporters called for assistance. He was treated on site before being taken to a hospital. Number three, billionaire and pro-democracy media mogul Jimmy Lai was sentenced to five years in prison over fraud charges stemming from his arrest in Hong Kong. Number four, the Keystone Pipeline suffered a leak that has sent 14,000 barrels of oil into a rural Kansas creek, causing the entire pipeline to be shut down. Number five, Arizona Governor Doug Ducey has erected more than 3,000 double-stacked shipping containers along Arizona's border before he leaves office next month. Back here in Washington, Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema made a surprise announcement. Telling CNN's Jake Tapper she has left the Democratic Party and is now an independent. A growing number of Arizonans and people like me just don't feel like we fit neatly into one party's box. It makes her a crucial wild card, forcing both parties to compete for her support. On Friday, Senator Kirsten Sinema from Arizona announced that she is registering as an independent. Sinema made the announcement in an opinion piece in the Arizona Republic, writing that everyday Americans are increasingly left behind by National Party's rigid partisanship, which has hardened in recent years. Sinema's announcement comes just days after Senator Raphael Warnack, the Democrat from Georgia, won re-election, securing Democrats their 51st seat in the Senate, giving them a one-seat gain from last Congress. She told reporters that she would not caucus with Republicans, meaning Democrats are likely to preserve a voting advantage in the upper chamber on major legislation. 
Americans are told that we only have two choices, Democrat or Republican, and that we must subscribe wholesale to policy views the parties hold, views that have been pulled further and further toward the extreme, she wrote in her opinion piece. Most Arizonans believe this is a false choice, and when I ran for the U.S. House and Senate, I promised Arizonans something different. I pledged to be independent and work with anyone to achieve lasting results. I committed I would not demonize people I disagreed with, engage in name-calling, or get distracted by political drama. There are already two other senators, Bernie Sanders of Vermont and Angus King of Maine, who are independents but caucus with Democrats. While unusual, other senators have switched parties while in office too. Jim Jeffords left the GOP to join Democrats in 2001, which actually changed control of the Senate. Republican Arlen Specter decided to run as a Democrat in 2009 with a difficult re-election in front of him. And vice presidential candidate Joe Lieberman went from Democrat to Independent in 2006. Sinema was first elected to the Senate in 2018 to replace Jeff Flake, the Republican who retired that year. She was the first openly bisexual and the second openly LGBT woman to be elected to the House of Representatives in 2012 and to the Senate in 2018. She was also the first woman to ever win a Senate race in Arizona. Over the last two years, she and Senator Joe Manchin, the Democrat from West Virginia, have repeatedly broken from Democratic Party leaders and President Joe Biden on issues like abolishing the filibuster, increasing taxes on corporations, and lowering prescription drug prices. Despite that, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said Cinema will keep her committee assignments even as an independent. In office, Cinema has often harped on her independent attitude and ability to work above partisan party politics. She framed her decision as an extension of that promise and the desire to step away from the partisanship that has ground Congress to a halt. Critics, however, have pointed to her upcoming election in 2024, saying the move is part of her plan to fend off a Democratic primary as she repeatedly bucked the party while in office. Today, we're going to take a look at some reactions from the left and the right, and then my take. First up, we'll start with what the left is saying. Many on the left criticize Cinema, arguing that she is only protecting herself for 2024 and undermining a successful few weeks for Democrats. Some say Cinema is doing what she always does, acting selfishly. Others argue the entire episode is much more show than substance. In Arizona Republic, Elvia Diaz said Cinema's move was an act of self-preservation. She's no victim. She's ditching the Democratic Party because she either figured she can't win a primary or she no longer needs the party's money and infrastructure for her next move, or both. Her trajectory suggests she's adept at ditching anyone or anything no longer useful to her. She began her public life as a Green Party activist. That went nowhere, so she became an independent, which didn't work either. Her big break came after she conveniently became a Democrat, Diaz wrote. Perhaps leaving the party at this particular juncture is tacit acknowledgement that she has angered so many Democrats to the point she no longer feels she can win a primary should she seek re-election in 2024. Undoubtedly, she's counting on independents and Republican support to retain her seat. Whether those same Republicans who now profess their love for her would actually give her their spot is questionable at best, she wrote. Cinema's leaving the party changes the equation again. Biden so far has confirmed about 90 of his judicial nominees. In comparison, former President Trump placed about 230, according to the Wall Street Journal. No matter what, Arizonans are stuck with cinema for the next two years. Let's hope she keeps working with Democrats and Republicans to get things done. But make no mistake, 
Ditching the Democratic Party has nothing to do with ugly partisan games, but everything to do with cinema's opportunism. In the New York Times, Michelle Cottle said this is who cinema has always been. Announcing her new independent status, cinema wrote in an essay in the Arizona Republic and gave interviews to outlets including Politico and CNN. Nowhere have I seen her articulate substantive differences with the Democrats aside from her opposition to tax increases, Cottle wrote. Instead, she spoke about not fitting into a box, being true to herself, and wanting to work, as she told Politico, without the pressures or poles of the party structure. Until recently, cinema has seemed to delight in the power an evenly split Senate gave her, which she used to benefit the financial and pharmaceutical industries. Had Republicans won the Senate, cinema could have become an independent who caucused with Republicans, preserving her place in the majority. A red wave might have seemed to vindicate her aggressive centrism, especially if Senator Mark Kelly, an Arizona Democrat far more loyal to his party, had lost, Cottle said. But Kelly won, and Democrats picked up a Senate seat. That meant Cinema could no longer hold the rest of the Democratic caucus hostage or argue that only Democrats who defy their base are electable in her state. She was about to become a lot less relevant. Now she's center stage again. In CNN, David Axelrod said Cinema's departure is more show than substance. If Cinema's decision rained on the Democrats' parade, it seemed more like a drizzle than a downpour. The practical effect in the next Congress is likely to be slight. She told CNN that she hopes to keep her committee assignments and continue business as usual. In an interview with Politico, Cinema added, I don't anticipate that anything will change relative to the Senate structure. And there's good reason to believe her, Axelrod wrote. With the exception of some notable dissent, she has backed President Joe Biden's positions 93% of the time during his first two years in office. More than most of her colleagues, Cinema has worked easily across party lines in the Senate, helping to forge significant bipartisan legislation on a variety of issues, including infrastructure, gun control, and, most recently, same-sex marriage, he said. But laudable as those compromises were, there are few political incentives for bipartisanship in today's highly polarized party politics, in which the nominating processes are dominated by more ideologically driven voters. Cinema's announcement merely codifies that reality, as she acknowledged in an interview with CNN. I've never fit neatly into any party box. I've never really tried. I don't want to. Alright, that is it for The Leftist saying, which brings us to The Right's take. The right is divided on cinema's decision, with some celebrating the opportunity and others saying it's all a cynical political play. Some say this is a chance for Republicans to retake her seat in 2024 if they play their cards right. Others say Cinema is doing it only to preserve her seat and criticize the hypocrisy of how the media treats politicians like her. In the Arizona Republic, Lori Roberts framed this as an opportunity for the GOP to take back her seat in 2024. In becoming an independent, Cinema has cleared the way for Republicans to retake a Senate seat they once owned. That is, if the Republicans have learned the lessons of 2018, and 2020, and 2022, Roberts wrote, Cinema's Friday announcement that she's defecting from the Democrats shouldn't come as any huge surprise. The progressive wing of the Democratic Party has long despised her for doing exactly what she said she would do when she campaigned for the job. Not even a year ago, her own now-former party censured her for refusing to get rid of the filibuster. Republicans have got to be thrilled with Cinema's defection. Coming off disastrous election losses in 2022, they are now presented with a chance to scoop up the golden egg in 2024, if only they don't prematurely lop off the head of the goose, Roberts wrote, which is entirely possible should they continue to do as they did this year and nominate terrible candidates. 
Democrats like to portray their victory in all of the major state races this year as Arizona turning blue. Really, it was more about Arizona turning against Trump and his hand-picked slate of extremists. This is a come-to-Jesus moment for Arizona Republicans, and it starts right now. Do they reject the fringe crowd that in recent years has transformed the party of the Big Ten into the party of the Pup Ten? In National Review, Philip Klein said Cinema is leaving the Democratic Party because it'd be hard for her to win a primary. Outright switching parties didn't make much sense. Cinema is still effectively a Democrat. She backed President Biden's $1.9 trillion left-wing spending spree that helped fuel inflation and his climate and Obamacare expansion bill and is radically pro-abortion. Overall, she has voted against her party just 3% of the time. She just hasn't been willing to go whole hog in embracing radical actions to advance progressivism, he said. Most notably, she has opposed ideas such as blowing up the filibuster and packing the courts, and her objections created roadblocks that contributed to the death of Biden's $3.5 trillion progressive wish list branded as Build Back Better. This has made her a hate figure among the progressive activists who control the Democratic Party, who even took to following her into a bathroom to harass her. Cinema's action appears to be a preemptive strike. By acting now, she avoids having to go through a tough Democratic primary she could very well lose and then face the decision of having to leave the party in a position of weakness. This way she gets ahead of the story and has more time to make her case to voters, Klein said. Cinema wanted to get a head start in branding herself as an independent to Arizonans. Assuming she decides to run, Democrats will have to make a difficult decision as to whether to run their own candidate and risk splitting the vote and losing the seat to a Republican or accepting somebody who will vote with Democrats on most issues. A situation in which there's cinema as an independent as well as a Democratic candidate on the November ballot is one in which you can see Carrie Lake get elected to the Senate. In the New York Post, Eddie Scarry said renegade Republicans are mavericks to the media while cinema is a traitor. As part of the routine, liberals and Democrats are once again doubting her sincerity, belittling her competence, and insulting her very presence as an elected senator, but only after attacking her in the most viciously sexist ways. Channeling the spirit of mean girls everywhere, GQ magazine writer Gabriela Paella wrote on Twitter, It's so crazy that Kirsten Cinema is a senator when she would be so much happier running a burlesque-themed knitting store that also sells those retro signs of housewives saying things like, I'm not a bitch, I just play one in your life. The title Maverick is apparently only reserved for Republicans who go against their own party, a la John McCain, who never missed an opportunity to show up on NBC to explain how principled he was for tanking the GOP's legislative agenda. Integrity seems to only radiate when it's a Republican who hates the head of his own party, in the vein of Mitt Romney, he added. When Cinema, who identifies as bisexual, spent the better part of last year in headlines because she declined to buy into every item on the Democratic wish list, A slew of articles popped up to attack her in the most personal ways possible. An online piece for NBC asked, in earnest, is Arizona's Kirsten Cinema bad for bisexual Americans? The author said Cinema's unreliable vote for the party fed into supposed stereotypes about bisexual women being untrustworthy. The New York Times' Michelle Goldberg diagnosed Cinema with pathologies for having come to believe in bipartisanship for its own sake. Bipartisanship is only good if it means granting mass amnesty for illegal immigrants or joining Democrats in prosecuting their political opponents. All right, that is it for the left and the right stake, which brings us to my take. For the last few years, cinema and mansion have been major thorns in Democrats' side. But to me, this move is just kind of the latest reminder that despite being lumped together so often by the media, 
the two really are quite different. Manchin, for his part, is pretty consistent. He's a conservative Democrat from West Virginia who prioritizes his state and its energy needs over just about anything else. He's a smart politician who knows how to get reelected. He seems like a straightforward guy who got stuck in a changing party and genuinely struggles with major decisions on how to vote, even if he's probably influenced by big oil money and the spectacle of having so much sway in a divided Senate. Cinema is not that. She's notoriously unclear about what she actually wants or stands for and has successfully rebranded that ambiguity as independence. As David Graham put it, she's ideologically unpredictable and erratic. How else could someone go from being a radical anti-war activist to identifying John McCain as her political role model? I follow the Senate for a living, and aside from saying she wants to represent the spirit of Arizona, which is full of political independence and swing voters, I still don't really know what Cinema wants from her political legacy. The clearest lines of motive we have for her are that she's been heavily funded by Big Pharma and has gone out of her way to protect them. And yet, look at her record. She voted for the bipartisan infrastructure bill. She's unequivocally pro-choice. She's just finished fighting for a bill that advances marriage access to LGBTQ Americans. She has supported every single one of Biden's federal judicial appointments and voted with him more often than senators like John Tester, Bernie Sanders, Jackie Rosen, Catherine Cortez Masto, and even Joe Manchin. By that measure, her voting record is the same distance from Chuck Schumer's as it is from Joe Manchin's. From a certain perspective, it seems as if she's simply a diehard progressive who likes rocking the boat every now and then. Taken together, it's not hard to be cynical about this move and view it, perhaps correctly, as little more than an act of electoral preservation. Cinema knows if she runs in 2024 as an independent, Democrats will face serious risk by putting up and backing a Democratic candidate like Representative Ruben Gallego. If they do, they risk splitting their votes and handing the seat to a Republican in a year when the GOP is already at a huge advantage on the Senate map. There's a decent chance the party would opt not to challenge her, which is almost certainly what Cinema is banking on. All of this is tough for me. As someone who despises the political duopoly and wishes there were more independence in the Senate, not just in name but in voting and allegiances, I genuinely wish there were more unorthodox occasional party buckers in national politics. And I think it's a good thing when principled idealists strike out against extreme partisanship. At the same time, I don't know if principled idealists fits Kirsten Cinema, and I can't shake the sense that it's a little unfair to Arizona voters that she's making this change in the middle of her term. If you want to be an independent, make the switch in late 2024 and run as one. Either way, I'm struggling to get too worked up over the news. I'll be curious if any of this changes how she actually acts or votes in the Senate but my strong suspicion is that things won't be much different. All right, that is it for my take. That brings us to our reader question for today. This one's from Aaliyah in Chicago, Illinois. Aaliyah said, with Republicans taking the House, what is that going to mean for things like the January 6th committee, considering all the maneuvers that basically meant that the far right and more middle ground groups between moderate and far right GOP were excluded? Do you think they will continue after the new House is seated, or is this their one last shot? What about the court process for forcing those to testify with the subpoenas? Do they just need to hold things up in court until January and then not face any consequences for not testifying or even testifying? Or will they still be compelled to testify in front of someone, even if it's just taking the fifth? So, Aaliyah, uh, I think you can basically expect all of those investigations to die and then to be turned on Democrats. (laughs) I mean, For what it's worth, all those committees are 
pretty much prepared for that. I mean, this happens anytime Congress changes power and Democrats were expecting to fare far worse than they did in these midterms. So it's not as if any of this is a surprise to them. The January 6th committee is going to release their final report by the end of the year. And at the moment, they are basically working on how to frame their findings to the public and what key issues to include or exclude. As for folks who dodge subpoenas, the members of Congress involved are likely to be fine. Kevin McCarthy and other Republican lawmakers rejected requests to voluntarily cooperate, and the committee resisted the option to take any legal action against them. When Republicans take over, I expect they will subpoena Democrats like Representative Adam Schiff from California about their role in the investigations, and I expect Democrats like Schiff to similarly dodge or refuse to cooperate. Some others, like Steve Bannon, have already been tried for contempt of Congress, and it's possible a few of those cases proceed in the federal court system outside of the committee's work. But the biggest legal threats to any Republicans are coming from the investigations into Trump, specifically in states like Georgia, where criminal charges are being considered. Bringing charges against Republicans was never really the goal of the January 6th committee, though. It was always prioritized with putting together a report on that day and informing the public about what happened and how. All right, that is it for our reader question, which brings us to today's Under the Radar story. Congress is working to strike a last-minute immigration deal before Republicans take over the House, and it's possible the bill might advance. A handful of bipartisan senators, including Kirsten Sinema and Tom Tillis, have outlined a proposal to provide a pathway to citizenship for 2 million undocumented immigrants, known as DREAMers, in exchange for at least $25 billion in border funding. A handful of bipartisan senators, led by Senators Kirsten Sinema and Tom Tillis, the Republican from North Carolina, have outlined a proposal to provide a pathway to citizenship for 2 million undocumented immigrants known as DREAMers in exchange for at least $25 billion of border security funding. The bill would also extend Title 42, the Trump-era pandemic measure that allowed for rapid expulsion of migrants for at least a year. Meanwhile, Senators Michael Bennett and Mike Crapo, the Republican from Idaho, are negotiating a narrower bill to provide citizenship for some undocumented farm workers. The Washington Post has the story, and there's a link to it in today's episode description. All right, next up is our numbers section. 87.9% is the percentage of time that Joe Manchin voted with Joe Biden. The percentage of times that Senator Kirsten Sinema voted with Joe Biden was 93.1%. The percentage of the time that Chuck Schumer voted with Joe Biden was 98.3%. The percentage of all Arizona voters who view cinema favorably, according to a September poll, was just 37%. The percentage of Democratic voters who view cinema favorably, according to the same poll, was 37%. The percentage of independent voters who viewed cinema favorably was 41%. And the percentage of Republican voters who viewed cinema favorably was 36%. <laughs> All right, that is it for our numbers section. Last but not least, our have a nice day story. NASA's Orion capsule successfully splashed down in the Pacific Ocean after orbiting around the moon. The uncrewed capsule's landing brings the space agency's first Artemis mission to a close, testing the technology needed to one day send people back to the surface of the moon. NASA is hoping to send people to the moon again by 2025 and then use those missions to eventually send astronauts to Mars. Critical to the Artemis mission was successfully testing a re-entry technique that will allow for consistent missions to and from space. The Wall Street Journal has the story and there's a link to it in today's episode description. 
All right, everybody, that is it for today's podcast. Like I said at the top, if you are still looking for a last minute gift to a friend or family member, please go check out the Tangle merch store. You can also gift people with subscriptions. Links to do both of those things will be in today's episode description. We'll be right back here at the same time tomorrow. Have a good one. Peace. Our podcast is written by me, Isaac Saul, and edited and produced by Trevor Eichhorn. Our script is edited by Ari Weitzman, Sean Brady, and Bailey Saul. Shout out to our interns, Audrey Moorhead and Watkins Kelly, and our social media manager, Magdalena Bakova, who designed our logo. Music for the podcast was produced by Diet75. For more from Tangle, subscribe to our newsletter or check out our website at www.readtangle.com. <laughs>